Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Richard Miller, and uh, our co-host and uh, all-round general uh, son of a gun uh, <laughs> in Calgary, Canada, is uh, Dr. Luke Gledall. How you doing, Luke? Hey, Rich. How's it going? Oh, very good. Very good. Awesome. Um, so we said in our first episode that uh, we were going to be um, fortnightly or bi-weekly. Um, and uh, here we are, one week later. So we're liars. But this sort of comes by way of, of a bonus episode, a Brucey bonus, um, because the situation that we were talking our way through last week um, has come to a head of sorts, has, has come to fruition. And uh, Steve Bruce uh, walked out the door on, on Monday, uh, you know, maybe as a result of the podcast, I think, the overwhelming pressure that we that we thought that was the worst of all worlds was him now staying after, after um, his flirtation with Newcastle United. So... This counts as breaking breaking news, certainly. So we should play our our excellent new intro. Breaking hoo hoos. Breaking, breaking hoo hoos, indeed. Um, so, as we imagined, Bruce has batted his eyelashes and uh, has left, is resigned. Uh, the compensation, I think, is still being sorted out right now. That's kind of gone a bit quiet, but I think that's coming to a head sometime soon but uh yeah once again we are presented with the laundry list of out of work managers and a few kind of strange foreign names in there to to um to look over and just get generally depressed about as we do as wednesday fans don't we rich yes yeah, spicing things up those those foreign names um well yeah the the batting of the eyelashes may have been going on for a lot longer than we all thought because uh Supposedly, it takes quite a long time to get a work permit for China. And uh, mm. the fact that he sort of left his post at Wednesday on Monday and was in China on Thursday, um, you know, unless Mike Ashley sort of moved mountains for, uh, you know, for Brucey, then uh, something untoward was going on uh, for, for a lot longer than we thought. Yeah, pretty on the hand. Pretty on the yeah. hand. I mean, it was something that left a bad taste in the mouth anyway, but uh, yeah, it seems to be worse than we even imagined. Yeah, now we've got the um, the fun thing of um, how many weeks until the, uh, we're just under two weeks until the season oh, kicks yeah. off, and then two and a bit weeks until the transfer window closes. So how much time is, is a new person going to come in? Um, how's that going to give them a chance to instill or infer any kind of like sense of style of play yeah you know know who the players they want to keep are know who the player you know well you don't have a choice at this point right it's just you just go with what you've given which yeah. isn't terrible which isn't yeah. terrible and i feel like hopefully there's probably a lot of managers looking at this and i say out of work because i just i don't see i don't see transiri going for anybody who's in contracts and doing negotiations 
for somebody, even though I kind of wish that would be true, looking at some of the names. Well, yeah, it also feels like it would be strange to be trying to get a kind of compensation deal out of someone when we've um, we've sort of made a point of standing our ground with the Newcastle United. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's tricky in terms of people coming in. The nice thing is, I think most of the decisions made by Bruce prior to leaving were sensible ones that everybody probably would have gone along with. Yeah, in terms of yeah. who was let go, um, addressing clear weaknesses within the squad. Um, so the person coming in has got a much better squad at this stage during the summer than we started the summer with, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that's that that does give me some uh some hope, definitely. Um, and I mean really all we all we are kind of really we're not that far off something not being I mean everybody always wants to improve a squad. Everybody wants yeah. something that's exceptional and something that's gonna you know blister and tear the league a new one. But um to be realistic, against a kind of complete, fully formed squad with options, we're not that far off, really. No. Do you think we need we need another centre back? Probably, yep. Um, Holding midfielder, we'd probably do another one of those. Yep. Because we've yeah, got Hutchinson, we're... who's made of biscuits, and um, Pelopesi, who's uh, not really got there yet, if he's going to get there at all. Yeah, I've got a real soft spot for Pelopesi, but... Um, Do you? Uh, yeah, I, I don't guess, know. When has this come up before? This, this seems <laughs> like this is breaking hoo-hoos to, uh, to me here, Rich. I haven't heard well, this I just, before. I think he's sort of... Well, he's prone to a bit of a clangor. Obviously, that's not one of the reasons that I like him. But um, you know, he does. Yeah, he does. Every game, he seems to play one scything pass through the middle of our own defence. Um, and um, you know, if we're lucky, the goalkeeper or one of the defenders uh, latches onto it quicker than the. So these are all team. positives. What these are all the big, like a... the big positives. These are all the big hit positives. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think he. I think he sort of. He's re- he reliably puts a shift in. Um, and doesn't seem to go hiding particularly. Um, yeah, I mean he's not he's not wonderful, but I think he does a job. And the few times that he was kind of kind of um, thrust into the middle of things towards the end of last season, he very rarely let us down when Hodge kind of one of his biscuits got too soggy and had to uh, <laughs> to vacate. <laughs> It was too too readily dunked into the yes into the Sheffield Wednesday tea <laughs> was uh, Hutchinson's biscuits limbs. <laughs> the uh, the physio grades him on a scale from um, rich tea all the way up to hobnob, and uh, <laughs> some some days. Which uh, just to kind of go for walk through that analogy <laughs> with myself and the listeners, Rich. Um, what what level of, is rich tea? The is is that the poorest of the That's biscuits? That's very low end. Yeah, rich low tea end biscuit stand up to much much scrutiny. Rich tea, low end biscuit is a good uh, episode title. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Rich, tea is, uh, That's rich pretty tea is a lovely biscuit, but dunking wise, you really do have you, to mind do we need to use? Do we get some of the more higher end of the scale? We start involving chocolate. Is that what happens with this? 
Well, chocolate certainly adds a bit of solidity, a bit of backbone. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, Hutchinson needs a bit of chocolate this season. Yeah, I, I would be spreading chocolate on his knees. Um, <laughs> just in case. Just a bit case. of Nutella, potentially. <laughs> Mind you, Nutella is technically more. Is 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 Nutella more chocolate or, or hazelnut? Oh, it's tough. If we go for Cadbury spread, I think we're fine. Do you know what I mean? Cadbury spread. Okay. Yeah. You've got yeah. the elasticity of the spread, but also the the solidity of the uh, of the chocolate. I think that that might be the ideal solution. Just massive packets of chocolate spread on both knees, taped on with the fancy uh, tape that sort of Deli Alley and the like um, have on yeah. all over their legs. I think we might be fixing things here. I mean, last week we covered the importance of chips uh, in, you know, pre and uh, during season preparation. So if they're on top of the chip situation, they're not having too many chips. They're not having too few chips. And we break out the Cadbury's. And, and, now that, and now that I'm becoming the new sports science assistant alongside Tony Strudwick. Who's staying? Under the, he's staying. So he would stay. I mean, we'd, when, when you get the job, Rich, from your um, excellent championship manager record. Yes. Though, to be fair, let's, let's be honest, just to kind of undercut this comedy analogy. Everybody who has a pulse is good at, at championship manager, right? That is a qualification for being good at championship manager. I haven't been good at championship manager since the switch oh, like, to football manager, to be honest. Right. I think, I, yes. I think everybody. There's a level of complication to. that left me behind and may rule me out of the, of the Sheffield Wednesday, um, IRL, um, post, it, you know, it, it, mm. I don't, I, I've skirted around that in the CV that I've submitted. Um, but the obvious question is going to be, you know, what have you done since 2013? And, I don't have a great answer. Well, I think your answer is, well, just, just look at my transferable skills. Yes. They speak for themselves. <laughs> Let me tell you this, Mr. Chancery. <laughs> One of the most successful things I ever did as a football manager uh, in the past was uh, co-manage uh, a, r- a really big team like Manchester United and buy all of my bad players for lots and lots of money. <laughs> And sell all of their good players to me for very little money. Um, therefore, cashola, money in the bank, and also uh, improving the quality of the squad. Followed up the sentence, this is an important point to take in, Mr. Chancery, <laughs> following the challenges for financial fair play that you're exactly, right? Sheffield Wednesday. Has he thought about that? Facing. I don't think he has, no. You just buy another football club and just do that. Yeah. It should. It should happen, really, shouldn't it? I mean, we we've lived in the world of the of Watford and feeder clubs, yeah, and you know the kind of familial clubs sending on players on loan. But when are we just going to see real life football championship manager played by people who are just dicking around, basically? Yeah, yeah. It's the next level, I think, for the you know what is essentially quite a silly game. I think that's the way to go. It's where we go next. It's a silly... Real life, it's getting sillier. We're emulating a silly game. Perfect. Um, <laughs> how did we get on to um, Chips and, uh, and uh, Hutch again? We I'm were Pelle talking Pelle. about Pelopassi and Hutchinson. Yeah, I was talking through my... Chocolate my on the knees. For little Joey. Little Joey. Little He's Joey a handsome P. dude. He's got, you know... 
keeps his hair in check. His eyebrows are uh, they're on fleek. Uh, they are on fleek, as the you know, kids. yeah. And he, you've got that fun factor of when he takes a shot. Is it going to beam into the top corner? Is it going to roll along the floor? Will he miss it altogether? Will it leave the stadium? You know, those are fun things to have. Keep you on your toes. Indeed. Um, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> I think generally the squad's in, in, a, in a decent shape. The squad's in pretty decent shape. Would you? I, I think I'd like another winger as well. Well, that's one of the, supposedly um, one of the options um, in sorting out the mess of Bruce walking out and compensation, etc., is that we may end up with uh, players either on loan or or permanent as part of the as part of our payoff. So rather than getting cash, we might end up with uh, an Aaron's or a Lazar potentially. Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. That feels a bit. Uh, that feels a bit. That feels a bit championship manager. That feels a bit. We live. We've covered already that we're living in a championship manager world. <laughs> and we are just championship manager girls. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Yeah. In almost every way. <laughs> um, another bit of breaking hoo-hoos. Um, we've, we've put to bed uh, the game against Kiel. We've seen it out. 3-2 uh, victory. Mm. Goals from Rhodes and, Fl- and Fletcher. That will teach them to uh, have ideas above their station as a motorway services. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Have you been to the Keel motorway services station, Rich? I, I've been. I might go there today. I'm actually headed uh, to Birmingham this afternoon, so I might I might pop in again just to do the uh, the classic sort of L on my forehead and really rub it in for them. Idiots thinking that they're a German football team when they're when they're a service station <laughs> by Stoke on Trent. <laughs> oh, and then we had a um, we had another friendly. Was that uh, Lubeck against Lubeck? Yep. Giants well, we pretty game. much rang out a second string, and you know, rang out a second. As well, mm. that's what we did. Yeah, um, it's difficult, especially in this environment, and always to kind of look at any element of preseason and try and gather any sense of sense around what it is. I looked at the highlights, watch, looked at the highlights, not watched, kind of very loosely, sparingly through, kind of. Um, you know, a hundred yard stare, possibly looking at my okay. TV with those highlights. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it looked all the more tedious and looked like we were ran rugged by what a third or fourth tier German, German yeah. side. Yeah. But I don't know. They looked incredibly leggy and I know that there's been a lot of training sessions. So it's, it, it looks like it's something which, um, it's just a preseason friendly, isn't it? It's just a yeah. That's the important thing, really, is getting training. through running and getting through the minutes, isn't it? Rather than uh, when it's nice to win as well, but it doesn't really tell us anything. The fact that we kind of beat up on some pretty low level opposition before we left for the tour uh, 
you know, makes you feel good, all those wins. <laughs> but it doesn't really lead anywhere. Yeah. Was it Bobby Robson that did that with England? <laughs> did he do what with England, sir? I think maybe before Italia 90, or maybe it was another tournament, he sort of played San Marino and stuff like that, and maybe even some club teams, <laughs> so that they would build their confidence. So the idea was that you go oh, and play like Shamrock Rovers and beat them 5-0, so that when you then went to the World Cup, you'd be feeling 10 feet high and uh, sail through everything. We uh, yeah, exactly. We went and put seven past Glen Torren. Look, look at us now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the Germans will be quaking in their boots, and they're quaking in their boots. Yeah. So, do we want to go through the the grey list of grey men? The grey list of grey men. Should we do the new kit first before we? Okay, have a okay, bit yeah, of fun? No, I'm happy to do new, um, kit. new kit. Who this? As the scrubbers across the city pronounce. <laughs> Uh, did you see their horrendous media launch? Uh, I saw bits. I a, a bit like you watching the highlights. I was sort of watching it with a far away, <laughs> far away stare and a, a disdainful look. I, in my I eyes. just think that we can agree, and especially I'll get onto this in regards to ourselves. All media launches these days are just on a spectrum of cringe. Yes, you know it's just why is it just has to be. You have to have someone like, you know, coming up behind. Oh, oh, we have like a slight reveal. We've got a new player. Oh, we can see their silhouettes. Oh, 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 it's this guy. Oh, we knew he was going to sign because we heard rumors. Or now he's coming in, so we're behind him and we follow him going into the training ground. Oh, yeah. And all this stuff. Did you see the, um, yeah, so they just did that horrendously tedious I think that's the thing that you can say all of these things. You're like, well, it was well made. You know, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't like our podcast. You know, they're no. actually production values, money spent, um, dedicated professionals, all things we don't have, and are not. Um, but you, you know, you, I've I've sp- I've splashed out on a on a soundboard, which is going to take things to the next level. <laughs> if you ever do a joke at any stage. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to roll with that. If I ever if I ever do a joke at any stage. <laughs> if you ever do a joke. If I ever do a joke at any stage. <laughs> if you could warm me up a little bit ahead of time, because obviously I need to like unlock the phone and get to the right page in the app, but um <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe start it with have you heard this one, do you know? Um <laughs> sorry, I, or, I completely or joke uh, joke forthcoming. Yes, yes. So what did basically, you think of our, uh, what did you think of our... So, um, just to say all media things are cringe, they're all terrible, you follow a player into the training ground, oh, oh we're behind him, oh, we don't know who he is, oh, oh there's, a, there's a shirt on the wall at the dressing room, oh, we're going to turn it around and show you the name. <laughs> all that stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's just, did you see the Mansfield one? With you know the Mansfield CEO Carolyn Radford, who's the young bit of skirt who's married to the <laughs> older gentleman, rich older gentleman who runs Mansfield, and um, her picking up Nicky Maynard at the training camp oh. in Portugal, all done all soundtrack to a instrumental of Fergie's Glamorous. Wow. Yeah, description I think just kind of covers it. But uh, if you want to see. Um, if you want to see a video of a young gentleman who 
just regretting his entire <laughs> um, new employment choice. I think you can use that as a good um, as a good video to kind of uh, capture that. Texting is so, agent. Next time I sign a contract, it has to be that I will never do one of these again. And then there's a whole ream of these. I've made lists of like I've just I went and I just went down a real rabbit hole of just the the worst moments of. Are you going to use the phrase bit of skirt again, or are you going to hold off on that one? (laughs) I'm going to hold off on bit of skirts. (laughs) Now that I've reflected on it, it sounds impeccably sexist. Um, I'm sure she is a lovely human being. (laughs) I'm sure sure she's nice to animals. I'm sure she has a lot of things. Um, But moving on, the Villa, Villa, Aston Villa did two years back. They did one where John Terry joined a WhatsApp chat. Oh, yeah. And that was just awful. Making uh, Steve Staunton and, and Gabby Agbonlahor leave. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all the black bar as well. So I think that was the, um, you know, John Terry has that rule, doesn't he, in the dressing room? No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. So. <laughs> That's why they immediately left the WhatsApp group, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, and then, uh, and then did, did you ever see that they did a Love Island Tyrant, Tyrone Mings, uh, when Tyrone Mings signed? There's just all these hideous, awful... So Chelsea one was pretty bad with Rudiger. I remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, the, the, kid the little going girl into going into the shop and saying... <laughs> Do you want Rudiger on the back of your shirt? I can't. He's not signed. And then he comes out of a cupboard out in the, the closet, covered <laughs> <laughs> in, in the club shelf. Actually, Rudy, I have Rudy, signed. Yeah. Brilliant. Just Waving uh, his contract in front of her tiny little joyous face. Have to do a second take when he comes out with some cobwebs over his face. <laughs> Which signed a workaday centre back. Yes! <laughs> As a seven year old girl, that's exactly who I want on the back of my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, yeah, the new Wednesday kits, um, we've had a bunch of teasers, which we mm-hmm. thought were teasers towards that, but uh, we had some teasers. And then a long bit of space in the middle. I thought that was weird. You know, we had. It seemed like it seemed there was a there was probably a you know a, a scheduled release for the media teasing the shirts, and then it just went quiet. I think it was just at you know he's got a lot of homework. It's getting towards the end of the term. Uh, at Chancery is in charge of all our social media, isn't he? Because I think the first one went out at like three in the morning. Which seems weird UK time, but uh, in Thailand that was that was fine. That was just before he was getting down to homework. I see, I see. Um, but as the thing said, the um, so Wednesday celebrate was the eight bit revolution. Yes. Have you ever heard of the eight bit revolution, Rich? I I haven't. I, no, neither have I. I was sort of trendy guy but um yeah 8-bit revolution was new to me another episode title suggestion children of the 8-bit revolution is one (laughs) i've written down here as well (laughs) and um i i have some overarching questions so in the video 
Lucas Zhao and um, looked on by a, a couple of couple of colleagues. Can't remember who I think it's Moses and uh, Moses Adebayo, Kadeem yeah. Harris, I think. Oh, maybe Kadeem. Yeah, and um, and uh, he's playing a Sheffield Wednesday mobile video game. Yeah, which I I really want to see the release of. <laughs> well, with the eight bit revolution, that's just a matter of time. It seems to be purely replicating um, Stephen Fletcher's. Uh, overhead goal against Swansea. That seems to be um, what you do in the game. And then when you do that, you unlock a kit. <laughs> this is, I think it sounds like a good game. It's the sort of thing you see advertised on Instagram and it'll go like, it's harder than it looks or something like that. <laughs> it's kind of too soon. Or the, oh, uh, the, the, the oh, new way they oh. <laughs> the new way they seem to advertise these games is... Uh, is that mom is really good at it and dad is bad. I don't really know what the uh, what I'm supposed to take away from that, but maybe I need to exert my masculinity by being good at a mobile game and really showing women that they're, they're, they're not up to the scratch when it comes to, you know, making Stephen Fletcher do overhead kicks. It looks like it's a, the game looks like, it reminds me of something like Total Soccer Manager, some really terrible um, third-rate management football management game, and one that I think contains my favorite of those terrible management games, which is when you do the ground improvements. Oh, and I yes. hope it comes out like one where you can like upgrade the bricks in the ground. Oh, beautiful! Yes, one where you buy undersoil heating. I used to like that in Premier Manager. I used to. Uh, Buy undersoil heating and just bankrupt my uh, champion uh, conference <laughs> conference team. Just on the um, just on the the vague hope that my game against uh, Altrincham will go, will go ahead. Yeah, in the uh, in the first week of December. Worth it, but, I think. Imagine the money you'd lose not having that game. That'd be like um, maybe three thousand pounds or something. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money. Oh yeah, so, those, those were good games. Those were those were the days. Well, yeah, let's roll that back. Let's have it. <laughs> it's nearly summer holidays for At, isn't it? So he can uh, he can get cracking on it. So, but yeah, I like the um, <laughs> I like the new kit. I like the um, stripes on the. Well, wh- were we previously told that we couldn't have stripes on the back? That was a giant no-no. I don't think there's ever been a rule about it, but certainly commentators moan about it. Right. But I don't, yeah, as far as I'm aware, there's never been a kind of law for forbidding it. But you'll certainly get the likes of Alan, Alan Biggs moaning. But yeah, I like the stripes on the back. I, I, I particularly, I like the away kit a lot. Um, it's okay. Yeah, I think it's fun. Especially if we wear it with the green goalkeeper's jersey. We're really confused teams, I think, which is... Uh, we can any, just get away with multiple handballs in the area. Yeah, any dissension in the ranks. Everyone wears gloves. And the goalie wears the same kit colour as everybody else. There we go. Rush goalie. <laughs> There's nothing in the rules to say you can't have rush goalie. But I uh, I enjoy the kind of blocks on the stripes. I, I'm calling it Disco Tetris. That's yeah. uh, a term I'm copywriting for that one. 
And yeah, I like it. It's good. Yeah. New kids, oh. it's good. Media release, less than good. C plus. C plus plus. Oh well. Yeah, they're all I mean, they're all bad. And I don't know why everything's terrible. Well, I just I don't understand. Like, I mean it's it's kind of like them you must think you use like you're trying to use like to get kind of very academic here. You're you're trying to use media for the purpose of what you're doing it, but like you can do that in words or a picture. You know what I mean? But it just feels like oh, everybody else is doing it, so we should be doing it. And it's like that's what it is. Uh, but now we are two old men moaning about social media, which um, I, I hate to be so cliched. What's this snap scan thing? What's that all about? Face oh. face snap. What are they doing on there? Um. <laughs> but anyway, the shirt's out. It looks nice. No sponsor right now, so that's pretty good. If It'd be quite good, to, yeah. It'd be quite good to get one before uh, sponsors go on. Is that going to yeah. be the next next um, blurry video announcement? Sponsor unlocked. <laughs> D taxis. <laughs> Remember Darbar? It was everywhere for a while. That was fun. Darbar was everywhere, yeah. <laughs> plenty of plenty of uh, lovely body burning um, curries <laughs> in the Hillsborough region. <laughs> Take a D taxis to Darbar. Fancy, fancy after the game getting this game out of your system. <laughs> do, do so with a uh, very spicy booner. <laughs> yes. Um right, shall we shall we do this? Shall we shall we attack the list of 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 grey grey boring men? I've got oh. I've got three sites up. I've got thesacrace.com, I've got Skybet, and I've also got nicerodds.co.uk. Ooh, nicer odds. Yeah. Get nicer odds on the grey men. So the story Chris Coleman is favourite on all all three sides. So somebody just put like 20p on Chris Coleman. Probably. So that's why it's gone down drastically. Because I just, I really... Oh. Left his previous post at Hebby China Fortune on the 15th of May 2019. The hilariously titled Hebby China Fortune because... yeah. You know, coincidentally, he is getting a bit of a fortune to manage heavy China fortune. Absolutely. So, as as the sort of favourite as it stands, Chris Coleman, any thoughts? No, hard no. A hard no. Hard no. He did really well at um, picking <laughs> Gareth Bale. Picking Garfield, yeah. The way he, it was really visionary in how he put Wales's three best players on the pitch every single time he could. That was out of this world, really, management-wise. Inspiring. Do you know what? Ramsey Allen and Gareth Bale are quite a lot better than everybody else. What I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play those three guys. Really, Chris? Oh, my goodness. But was, was a bad manager at Fulham, as far as I can remember. Um, has always been a guy 
my least favourite manager is one that likes to drink in the praise when a team has done well and then completely throws the players under the bus when they don't do well, completely disowns that he's had any hand in it. And I always remember that at Fulham. They'd win 1-0 one week and it would be, yeah, we worked on this, we worked on that. Then they'd lose and you go, oh, I don't know what the players were doing today. That That's the worst, for me, the worst kind of manager because it's, if it's your fault when they win, it's your fault when they lose. Surely that's just at the very base level, <laughs> taking some responsibility for your actions and your... Yeah, but then, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's... Um... Some some managers are very one-track in that regards, aren't they? Let's be honest. Like, it's... Like, it's either... Yeah, not enough people are that varied I don't know if like some of them actually are very self aware so actually realise that's what they're doing you know yeah but then he was so for whatever we thought of his time at Fulham he was dreadful at uh, Sunderland it was a bizarre job to take and he completely failed it I thought it was bizarre for him being like okay Chris your stock is at an all time high yeah where are you going now Sunderland yeah to 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 borrow a a phrase from the uh, sort of popular Wednesday vernacular from a few years ago to cash in his chips for that opportunity was a a bizarre decision it was strange it was really really strange but I I think it kind of speaks to his ego because um, th- I'm sure he thought he was going to be the guy to save Sunderland and then he would get a good job in the Premier League obviously that did not happen at all <laughs> um, quite the opposite really so no- a no to Chris Coleman uh, next up Lee Bullen so I feel like me and you are going to have like a big disagree. Well, I feel like me and you are going to have a, a mini uh, podcast co-host ruckus. I'll, I'll walk out of this podcast. I'll leave it recording, but I will walk out. No, go, um, get yourself a light beverage. Yes, an umbongo that would be topical. An umbongo, yes, I will get myself or tropical, a, a sweet, sweet tropical embargo and uh, quite a soft. Sip soft tropical in bungo so one without alcohol basically <laughs> yeah yeah as opposed to a usual umbongo which are just loaded with alcohol laced with every kind of <laughs> liquor you can imagine go, well okay you go first then on there so bullen i think i still feel right now maybe it's the sheer level of apathy and uh, of the situation, the fact that this is very incredibly Sheffield Wednesday move to just be without a manager, just so close to the season, to just go off that um, go off that buzz and kind of thrill of all that continuation and the good form that we were showing at the end of the season. It feels like despite the stuff off the pitch with the financial situations, felt like morale was kind of high. So to have this situation with Bruce left now, no one at the helm. Um, who knows if someone's coming in to kind of bring all that in. He's taken all his backroom staff. The only person left seemingly are Neil Thompson 
in the academy, Tony Strudelbit staying, and of course, Lee Bullen. Lee Bullen's been a huge servant to the club. He's been around for a long time. He's seen a lot. He's had a couple of cracks of the whip at the caretaker manager position or like holding things over until someone comes in. Um, he is by all means in the press saying that he is ready for the job. Um, and I think we, I don't know. I, it's, it's one of those things where it's, um, you're getting halfway closer to the wall every time. I don't think you're ever really at the wall, but he is getting closer. He's getting closer to being ready. Um, Part of me thinks with the level of apathy about um, the financial situation and who should be coming in, and knowing that Chancery doesn't particularly want to look at negotiating with someone for, you know, to bring someone in for compensation, it feels like we maybe should be okay with just Lee Bullard for a little bit. I think we'll miss the transfer window. But maybe it gives us time to actually properly look at, you know, who's out there and interview someone who's, yeah. you know, like, I guess there's there's always the element, are we going to act, are we going to, we're in a position where to get things right, to to get prepared for the season, we have to kind of rush. But that means making a rush decision, obviously. Which isn't the best thing in the world. Lee Bullen, for the time being, is a very different prospect to Lee Bullen getting the job, though. It is. It is. But um, do we have like a Stuart Gray situation where we give him the chance to make the job his own? Maybe. I mean, it's interesting you sort of said, like, getting to the wall and he's getting closer to the wall. Like, there's a sort of presumed every member of the backroom staff is just getting want, wants to be manager and is getting closer to it. And a lot of but people are, yeah, are second in command and never get any further. And a lot of people should have stayed second in command because they were a good second in command and they were not good managers. I mean, Steve McLaren in so many ways was a much better assistant to Fergie than he's ever been a, a number one himself. Sure. Um, and I think but, Steve Clark's another one in that bag where he seems to be a wonderful assistant manager. I mean, it seems to be sort of part of really good, successful squads. And then as a manager, yeah, questionable. So there's always a question. It never seemed previously that Lee Bullen seemed to have the ambition to make it his previously. Maybe things have changed in this occasion. Maybe some things have changed. Maybe. Maybe he's got a chance to go for it. Then maybe... I don't know, then maybe someone else comes in and turfs out Lee Bullen. Maybe for the sake of Lee Bullen, Lee Bullen feels he needs to do this and this is his opportunity to make it his own. And I'm, I'm purely talking for the sake of one man, not for the sake of a football club. I know that he would be dedicated, he would be someone who'd do his utmost to, to do the best job that he could and to be a success at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, saying that it's, I'm not... Yeah, keeping him on for a while is a good idea. I think it's mainly the best option right now in terms of the names I'm seeing is to just keep him on, see how he gets on. So if I just kind of, yeah, I'm, I love Lee Bullen. You know, he, yeah, we were talking last week about, you know, good memories and he was part of some of my best memories as a Wednesday fan. He was, um, 
a very limited player, but a wonderful leader for that young team that that uh, took us up under Sturrock. Um, and, you know, still managed to produce some really <laughs> fascinating performances in all sorts of positions um, mm. when we got, got back up to the, the, the championship. Uh, and... I don't. I don't really buy into this thing that he, he. There's a kind of destiny to him being our manager. Uh, maybe he'll come and do a wonderful job. And I do think, like you, I think we should start the season with him in post. Um, nobody's going to be able to come in in a week and make signings, turn things round. Um, so the continuity of Bullen, at least for the short term makes sense. Uh, but for me, that would be too very much in mind to go and get somebody yeah. else permanently. But that gives him a chance to make it his own. I mean, you can make yourself undeniable. Stuart Gray, he made the case undeniable because he produced wonderful performances, uh, including, was it 7-1? What was the amazing victory against Leeds? That was a 6-0 victory. 6-0, there you go. So it's the same margin, but yeah. Mm. So I think that he didn't even officially get the job after that. I think it still took like a week or something. But that was based on performances. So what we haven't seen from Bullen is him make himself anywhere near undeniable um, when he's been yeah. a caretaker. So. I mean, if we start the season off with three, four wins, then, you know, it becomes very difficult to replace him with somebody else, especially as we've uh, we've hinted at. The rest of this list is not very exciting by and large. No, um, no. Uh, just to, so just shout if you want to pause on any of these, but like... You just say a bit more with Bullen as well. Yeah. So I... I you know, I'm I'm not in any way definite, and I don't think it should ever really be definite for any one manager, but probably more favorables. You can probably think of more pros and cons, and that's the point where, you know, I think for like a, a fan's perspective is is that they're the players we want Chancery to pull the trigger on and try and go after. Um, in regards to Bullen, I do worry about just having all that goodwill with Wednesday nights. And having a chance of also just just fucking that up, basically. We've we've seen that happen so often before. So many of our heroes as players have come back and ruined it all <laughs> by being yeah. manager. And I don't know if, in the great context of time, we can just get over that and then kind of look back at someone's time and just see it for what it is and see the good things that they did. Knowing that there are going to be like negatives. I mean, how do you know? It's interesting following the George George Hurst situation. You know, how did that kind of and knowing that his dad David had a lot of input into that whole situation scenario and the career of his son. You know, how does that kind of leave the legacy of David Hurst? And it seemed to kind of really him kind of sever his ties with the administration of the club. And it tarnished his his reputation. It did tarnish. How much does it come to the point where it, it kind of ruins someone's reputation, or how much is it just tarnished? It's just a blot on their copybook. But look at—I think the classic case of that is Chris Turner. Yeah, 
Chris Turner is someone who should be remembered as a cup-winning goalkeeper. And for a lot of people, he is just a terrible manager. Maybe a terrible manager with an eye for a player because we did sign some good players that summer. But And then the same with Danny Wilson. Bad manager. Yeah, Danny Wilson, same bag. It's a tough road to go. I feel... I wonder if actually then, then the more I think and go through this kind of thought experiment of thinking about Bullen, if we did get him the, the chance and he, I don't think he would ever tarnish his, his kind of modern day close to legacy at Sheffield Wednesday. I say legacy because it's the funny thing that just, we've been so poor for the last 20 years that you know, I, I bought these Sheffield Wednesday top trumps when I was last back in Sheffield. Yeah. And uh, Lee Bullen was one of them. And you're kind of like, yeah, fair enough. You know, it's... Yeah. Who are you really going to say from the past? Star players from the past 20 years. Not really star players, but just players who've had like a fingerprint on this club. And they can have a fingerprint on this club in the modern history through being an exceptional player, being an exceptional talented player. Or there can be someone who's who's just had a real connection, and you know you, you maybe get like a, a you know for the the tier and the time you think of maybe him you think of Samido, um, you know fans play you know fans have a real connection to those players so they kind of yeah. become part of the furniture. So the more I kind of talk about it, I I wouldn't besmirch definitely Lee Bullen having a stint. You know, a caretaker stint again. Let's see. Let's see. Hopefully, he's you know he's been in. He's been a player. He's been in numerous clubs. He's worked in the backroom staff under under Carvajal, under under Yoss, and uh, under Bruce. So he he should have really learned a few things and developed a few a few things that he wants to do, a few things he doesn't want to do in that process. I, I just think, I uh, sorry, just another um, good assistant that ended up being a bad manager uh, that we had first-hand experience of was Alan Irvin. I, I, I think there is a, there's a job that you do as a member of that backroom staff. Yeah. That makes it difficult to then become the manager because yeah. you go from being confidant and friend to being in charge and that's a different sort of role to try and take on Uh, that's my I think we'll end up with an Alan Irvin-esque we'll get some lovely wins because everybody likes Lee and Lee's lovely and it's great to yeah he's great to have round when the chips are down we will be screwed because he just won't have the skills the strength of personality to Put, pick people up to put them in their place it, it's just it's just such a different job and actually yeah. i think it's harder to go from that in the same dressing room to go from that position to the the leader because you tend to be the kind of ear of the dressing room you you're friends with the players so that you can feed back to the manager what's going on that's typically the role of an assistant yeah and to go from that then to be the guy at the top is 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 a it's a big big move and a difficult move. Uh, it's kind of a bit like being 
in a workplace kind of sense, it's kind of like being promoted amongst your peers. Yes. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult. And I do want to say, Rich, that you say when the chips are down, I mean, the chips will be down when I come in as the assistant <laughs> to the, to the sports, Tony Strudwick, because I've made the revelation. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do a Ted talk about it. <laughs> Just, uh, athletes, Chips, potatoes are bad for athletes. <laughs> I'm just imagining you every few days to Tony sort of going, do you want, is it just the chip bit again you want me to do? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading about, I've been reading about legumes actually. No, just stick to the chips, Luke. <laughs> legumes. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Stay in your chip lane, Luke. <laughs> Tubulars, that's what you do. Um, it's another word for lane. That's where I want you to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Tubers, isn't it? Not tubulars, anyway. Yeah. So, oh well. Do you on your um, list? Let's just. I just want to bring this one up. So I, I feel like for me, and I feel like a lot of Wednesdayites, and I feel maybe yourself as well. The only name that kind of popped up initially when it was Chris Hewton. Yes. And he's at the time apparently in the papers. He said he distanced himself. Mm. from the position i think big said recently maybe he's going to come back and you know maybe it's not quite too far away from him and i think it i don't think it'd be too bad for him i think we've we're a pretty well established championship team yeah um we're in a fairly decent spot the squad is pretty good i think there's some limitations but i think you I think it should be fairly appealing for him. Yeah. I I would think so too. I suppose he, there's always that thing of gardening leave and things like that, isn't there? Like if, mm. if he's in a position where he, he's actually going to earn more money, not doing anything. That's a harder conversation to have with people, isn't it? But um, sure. But still, yeah, I, in some, and then in some many ways, I think he would be he would be a good fit, and it would be a good it should be a good position for him. Yeah, and a good appointment. I think it would work for all parties. I think if it went well, which I I think you'd be fairly confident of it happening with Hewton in the position. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, he would be the dream. Um, he would. He how would. realistic it is, I don't. I don't know. He's out here at sixteen to one, um, in in the sack race uh, list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelve to one on Sky. Bet. We're going to go through some more ran- rando names. Some rando, rando names. Well, there's there's Rowett or Rowett. I I don't I don't think Rowett would be too terrible. I mean, I, but I I know you're going into that aspect of. They've come off to two moderate failures. Yeah, I think this. I think that Stoke job was really a, a poison chalice in a that season where, um, essentially the players aren't good enough to earn what they were earning at Stoke City in a, at another Premier League team, so they're just going to stay there and eke out their wages. Yeah. Somebody like Ryan Shawcross will be on a lot of money, probably never going to get a Premier League team again. So he's going to see out that contract at Stoke till the very bitter end. 
and whether he plays well or not in that time really is neither here nor there. Yeah. And unfortunately, Joe Allen is kind of in that position as well. So like you've got players that will be taking up huge chunks of your budget, not bothered about playing <laughs> because they're just annoyed that they didn't get asked to go anywhere else. That's such a tough season to have, especially after they've spent all year losing as well the year before. So don't hold that against him too much, but he's not he's not seen out any particularly particular successes elsewhere either, has he? He was decent at Birmingham. Decent. Um, he was very he was very good at Birmingham. Let's be honest, honest, and things kind of went very bad after he went from Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and then. So, because he went, he went away from Derby. I thought he was fired from Derby, but actually, Stoke paid compensation for him. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and Derby's—I don't know. I think you, you. What is success at Derby? Success at Derby is like fifth or sixth. Yes. I mean, much similar to us, but I just feel like they—they just uh, seemingly. They should be seemingly better equipped to do better than they do every season. They spend the money to finish first and then finish fifth or sixth. Finish fifth or, or sixth, yeah. Or if they've got a terrible manager, seventh. Yeah, and they're seemingly in this day and age kind of similar to us, but just just a, just a lot better equipped in terms of squad. So I don't know. He would, but he was still in work there, so maybe that's something. I thought he was fired at Derby. I thought it was. I thought it was that, then I thought he went to Stoke, but apparently it's compensation that he went to Stoke. And then, so didn't really pull up in trees, but I feel like he play, his teams play okay. Mm-hmm. I'm grasping. Maybe, maybe Rowett's not quite the person I thought he was, but um, one of the better names, I want to say, out of the out of work, but still one that comes with questions. And I understand I, I did recently get nagged on Al's talk for <laughs> suggesting Gary Rowett. But mind you, I was doing that in comparison with another one that's that's on your list. Probably Gary Monk's on there. Yes. Now, should we should we just bring up the fact that like so knowing having a little bit of an insight into the fact that uh, previously in Sheffield Wednesday's transfer dealing histories, it's been a lot of players from agencies that have kind of come in. And um, so is bringing in someone who's kind of as corrupt as them, is that good or is that bad? <laughs> oh, who knows? So that's, and that's the thing. And the monk is, I feel like monk is very similar to Rowett. Yeah, his record. Maybe slightly better in terms of football played, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Um, his record at Leeds and Middlesbrough, uh, pretty close to 50% win rate uh, in both those jobs, which, to be honest, nobody else vying for the role is uh, is even close to. <clears throat> but that's a pocket in a career that's bookended by much less successful roles. So, I <sighs> don't know. It could be okay. I don't know. I just I'm just very cautious of his past uh, dabblings, and if that, if I think if that hadn't come out, maybe I think he'd be higher stock for me. <coughs> but still, 
yeah, I don't know, some questions. But that's the thing. I, I think everyone's going to kind of come in with questions. And then I think you we're going into the realm of managers for all out of work is that they have achieved something at some point. It just hasn't been recently, so the stock isn't high right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a great list, really. It uh, never is, but these never are. They're the most... And I, I feel like I should probably have a look into... Like, I imagine these conversations go on at fans of other clubs as well. It can't just be us. Like, there's always a, lo- a betting laundry list <clears throat> of some of the been there, done that people who just aren't particularly well-established and well-liked. Yeah. So, do you want to go through the list? <clears throat> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Want is a is a is a you know carrying a lot of weight there. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, um, so we've already talked about Coleman, who's sort of the the betting favorite. Lee Bullen is kind of three to one or thereabouts. Um, Rower eight to one, or uh, on Skybet five to one. Um, then Pulis, Tony Pulis at ten to one. Uh, so seemingly a reiter- reiteration about? of um, our time under Mister Megson. Yes, awful, um, awful football. Sometimes effective football. He's that classic thing, though. If you get results, you sort of don't mind the football. But if you don't get results and you don't have the football, that's just the worst of all worlds. Um, Nigel Pearson, another ex-player. Yeah, that would never happen. No. I I don't want it to happen either. I really do not want... Really, really do not want Pearson. And then we've got we start to get into some weird ones now. So Zola, hard no. Yeah, uh, Daniel Stendel, the uh, Barnsley manager. The Barnsley man, interesting. Yeah, and um, I guess there's been some rumours of you know it's pretty it's pretty fresh. Um, achieved promotion with Barnsley. Apparently they play like a high press. Does he yeah, play that Gen Gen that Gen Gen pressing? That oh, Gangan style. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, promoted by Sai. Exactly. Yeah. That's how they um they they very very pressing in South Korea. <laughs> um G Van B. Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. Yeah, where is this uh, where is this one coming from? He seems seemingly did really well at Finoid and then lost his job. Or left. Yeah, but how are we? It, it seems a bit pipe dreamish to think. Yeah, well, he's just a manager that, and we have a job open. He's a manager that doesn't have a job. Oh, I'm sorry, Rich. Sorry, I forgot this is a betting list. Sorry, I know, but it's just. Well, uh... no, but it's just. <laughs> no, we, we are increasingly in the realms of what, how the heck is this person here? Um, Nigel Adkins. Terrible choice. Sol Campbell. Paul Cook. Paul Cook. Paul Cook. He's always got a sore throat. Always been shouting. Literally just <laughs> a second to stop shouting. Paul Cook. <laughs> so, 
I miss him from Radio Sheffield. Maybe we should try and go for him just for that uh, aspect. Just so you can work on your impression of him. <laughs> I've just been screaming. I've spent the last six hours screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I must say, I must say that was the highlight of the Irvin Rain was just the the post match. I think all of his commentary just, uh, you know, Exeter, like a second coming of the total football <laughs> of Amsterdam. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Paul Cook could be okay, but he's in, he's in work, isn't he? He's in so. work, as is Danny Cowley, who's... There's a lot of 33-1. to 33-1. I'd to like... Be the, I would like the Cowley bros. Kike Flores, 33-1. to 1. Ian Holloway, 33-1. to 1. Anthony Hudson of the Colorado Rapids. I made a note about Mr. Hudson. Um, <laughs> I said... Um, if if I could fail it there, I could fail it anywhere. It's up to you, Colorado, Colorado. He's Colorado. bringing in. <laughs> he's bringing in a thirty-one percent win rate uh, from nineteen games at Newport County, oh. twenty-five oh. games with Bahrain, twenty-seven games at New Zealand, and and winning seventeen point five percent of his games at Colorado Rapids. Mm. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's weird and terrible. What a fun combination. <laughs> so, uh, Jokanovic, uh, Slavisa Jokanovic. Slavisa Jokanovic, yes. And the previous, uh, previously touted uh, chance here has previously batted his own eyelashes the way of uh, Jokanovic previously. So, But he's currently getting Quitari big books, isn't he? Yes, so. he's with Al Garafa <laughs> and has been with them for one month and four days. He's felt the... The, the comforting warmth of that first Saudi paycheck. and uh, I'm sure he turned up and said, I've supported uh, this team. <laughs> had the, they had the, the team phonetically spelled out for him on a bit of paper, which he referred to. My dad was a fan of Al Garafa, so it was natural for me to become a fan of Al Garafa. Once I caught the Al Garafi Gafi Viva, uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to get a cure, isn't it, Rich? <laughs> then we have uh, the, uh, the the Dutch bulldog of Martin Yol. Um, he's he has left his post at uh, Al Alhi Cairo three years ago. He hasn't had a job for uh, for three years. Mm. But, uh, I, he's an enjoyable sort of bulldog of a of a human being. It's a very random. I one. feel like if we're if we're still going, back, I I don't know. These are all apparently equal odds. They're all thirty three to one. Is, uh, you say Holloway is thirty three to one. Holloway's th- so the, the yeah the list of thirty three to one started at Nigel Adkins, um, and continues past Martin Yall to Ito Karanka. Ugh. Neil Lennon. Ugh. Um, somebody called Fatty Teke? Or Te- yes, I saw about Mr. Teke. Uh, Turkish former striker and has managed a few Turkish teams. Yeah. Hasn't achieved any great um, success. 
So that's all the 33 to ones. I'm surprised Holloway's not like a bit bigger in terms of. I thought someone might have put five p on Holloway, and now he's like. Well, this is presumably they're giving you the, they're giving you the plum odds. So from all right. this view, yeah, he's pretty far out on. Uh... Some people have mentioned Holloway and Alstog recently, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We all think of if you if you want to think positive of it, of him, you can think of that crazy Blackpool team that kind of and took, then, took and all of the well. weird took all of the weird Lego bits that nobody wanted and somehow managed to make a really cool spaceship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the that, that is exactly that's an amazing analogy, Rich. I love that. That's great. Um, and they did well with Palace as well. Yeah, but uh, going back to Blackpool, you know, everyone's bringing their own pack sandwich wrapped in foil. Yes, <laughs> and um, just you know, and somehow out of the um, the magic of this, we've created like a, a Disney rags to riches story. I mean, there was a there was definitely an element of. Throwing, throwing, um, as much um, to maintain a family-friendly uh, aspect on this, as much spaghetti at the wall as possible, and uh, seeing, seeing whether enough of it stuck. Because that he signed, um, he signed Bullet, uh, not Bullen, He signed signed Bannon for Blackpool, or was it Crystal Palace he signed Bannon for? Yeah, signed for Palace, I think. Palace. Because yeah, he just signed everybody, and he signed Bannon and didn't have a squad place for him <clears throat> because he signed so many players that summer. He's a big fan of Bannon, though, isn't he? He he had him at Blackpool as well. He was on loan at Blackpool, I think, mm. from Villa. But he managed to turn Luke Varney into a Premier League See, and and then like it's incredibly. We went back to like talking about last week about football managers sometimes understanding very primitive things about football, which we think as fans, but then we think, well, no one else is doing it, so maybe it's just nonsense. And that basically, like I'm saying, is let's just pretend we're playing pro evolution soccer and then just buy a bunch of players who've got like ninety odd pace. Yes. You know, or your your eighteen to twenty pace on your uh, your champ man and footy mans of the world, um, but it seems to work for Warnock. You know, and then Holloway does the same. Holloway buys a lot of pacey players, yeah, and seemingly seemingly is is um, his rebirth in football management when he came back to Blackpool and found success was basically. Was it basically he went to went on the continent and discovered four three three to kind of be very primitive, and um, he just signs a lot of pacey wingers and pacey strikers. Yeah, and it uh, it just goes on a, a pretty attack minded, and it seems to work. So, yeah, it <clears throat> it hasn't worked for a while. Pretty. It hasn't worked for a while. It's been a long time since. Pretty poor spell at, at Millwall. Mm, pretty, and people are, I mean, slightly above average at QPR, but QPR people is saying a basket case, isn't it? Yeah, people were saying that he did, you know, you know, played us off the pitch a couple of times with QPR. You know, at times played some good stuff. I don't know. You yeah, know, I'm sure we played. We played. 
it would probably be a bit like Brian Laws, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, one game plan, when it works, we'll win 5 0. When it doesn't work, which will be a lot of the time, we'll we'll leave frustrated because we'll we will always have a bit in the game, even if we get shown up for our naivety at times. Uh, he's had some success at our level, which not all of these people have. It's it's really there's nobody. Hutton aside, there's nobody that you're clapping your hands at the very prospect of. Um, which I think is why you end up thinking, well, maybe giving Bullen a go is as good as any other option, really, because there's there's nothing else here that you're kind of jumping at the the chance to see. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, you know, the nature of football management is just be incredibly cynical about this, and, and who knows how long it would have worked with Bruce until it failed. I think that's a question. How long does it work until it fails? Can it work can it work long enough with a club for them to achieve some degree of success? And that's what you kind of want on Wednesday, really. Well it Unless... sort of needs to be success today as well, because the yeah. the unspoken bit the elephant in the room this week really is okay, we've sold our ground and made a profit this year. That won't happen next year. So we'll have another year where we've got 20 but it's, million in losses. Yeah. So is this the last roll of the dice this season? But I don't feel that they, yeah. So then the next question is, are we, well, when's the rebuild going to happen? That was supposed to be this summer, wasn't it? But we still, you know, Chancery doesn't want to sell players. You know, so we just lose players for end of contract. What's going to happen to Forestieri this year? Who knows? It's his final year of his contract, right? Yeah. I don't... I've got a lot of time for Chancery, and I think, by and large, he's been a pretty positive influence but his attitude towards selling players i have never understood and will never understand um and i'm <laughs> i remain convinced the parallel universe where we just let forestieri go after him refusing to travel to norwich we probably did a lot better that season because what is the point in having such a negative <coughs> influence about the place yeah, but, but I, we I see hate it with Rhodes as like, well. Yeah, but, you know this season, this season and last, holding out for what we paid for for Rhodes when he's a year older, another year more tarnished, is unrealistic, and only hurts us really in the long run. And I'm still curious, like how long. How much longer do we have roads for? Is that is it one year or is it two years? I think it's two, but I'm not. I wouldn't be held to it. Um. Yeah, it's it's very tricky, but that would make me if I was if we're right in presuming that this is a very important 
season and getting up would make or make it you know make all those frightening deadlines fall away that would be a reason to go and at least try and get somebody that's in a job if you need to or or chase after Hewton and give him a package that makes the garden seem less enticing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really make those um, really make those petunias go to shit, right? <laughs> oh dear. Well, um, we've done a lot of talking. We have. I think we've covered managerial. We've talked about the kit. We've talked about. Um. Yeah, we've covered pretty much everything, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Shall I end with my tortuous analogy? About Please Brixton? do. Please do. So, um, the playoff final, he felt betrayed by Hull City, and we felt betrayed by Hull City. Um, almost like <laughs> the, the sort of spare partners who'd been cheated on. Okay? Mm-hmm. And through sort of, you know, spending that time looking things up on Facebook and uh, thinking over the end of that relationship, we, we, we happened upon the idea that it, what would be really good is because they cheated on us, we would, we would get together and that would be the kind of positive to come out of it. So we, we had to employ Bruce. It had to happen. <laughs> But it didn't work because it happened for the wrong reasons. So it was always going to fall apart. It was always going to end badly. But it, it had to happen. It was inevitable. So there you go. That's my that's my terrible analogy for this week. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's and that's different gravy, ladies and gentlemen. The podcast where we say there are too many Sheffield Wednesday podcasts. Let's have another one. Absolutely. People like them. Let's do more. <laughs> well have a good week Luke have a good one Rich cherry bye cherry bye